0: feel naked I don't have my guitar today so it's all Jane take your Bibles and turn to the book of Titus Titus chapter 3 if you're visiting with us there's a black Bible in the chair in front of you and you can go to that Bible go to the back find page 168, 168, you'll find Titus chapter three, Titus chapter three. <clears throat> We're doing verses one through seven. And normally I do a, a Christmas message uh, the week of Christmas. I normally do that, <clears throat> and as I was uh, contemplating what book to preach on before we go into the book of uh, the Gospel of John, I mean, what what a perfect verse, and verse four of, of chapter three, uh, his love for mankind appeared. It's like, well, that's that's a Christmas message, man. <laughs> I mean, that's it in and of itself. So I'm like, well, this is perfect. That'd be great. We're thinking about the incarnation. So, so we're, we're landing here in Titus chapter three, verses one through seven. I'll read a little bit, of part uh, first part of verse eight as well. Let me read Titus chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Remind them to be subject to rulers, ruling authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all meekness for all people. For we ourselves also were foolish disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness and love for mankind of our God and Savior appeared, not because of works which we've done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewal through the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, in order that, being justified by his grace, we may be heirs according to hope of eternal life. Faithful is the word. We are so prone to forget, aren't we? it gets almost comical and that we walk into a room and we have no idea why we came in there in the first place. A comedian talked about how the actually it, it, there's a trigger in your rear end to your, bo- to your head because once you sit down, then you remember, right? So you go back to sit down. Oh, that's right and triggers something in your head, right? You walk into the room and you say, I have no idea why I came in here to do what I was gonna do. And you walk back out. Or so easy, so prone to forget. And we laugh, and rightly so, and yet the hard part is there are those who are dealing with dementia, Alzheimer's who are, end up forgetting everything. And see, this is why Israel had all those rituals. It's why you, you truck through all those rituals and exodus and leviticus and numbers and you want to fall asleep but you're trying to read through the bible maybe you might want to do that come next year in 2022 and read through the bible everything's going great hit genesis the first part of exodus and then it's all right then exodus and into leviticus you're like oh my goodness why this is the reason why not because the rituals did anything to Israel or for Israel necessarily. It was what those rituals, particular rituals represented or rather what they were pointing to, to what they were pointing. It was to remind Israel about Yahweh and his promises. His promises to them. Don't forget me. That's the reason we celebrate Christmas. Christmas not necessarily because it's our tradition or because you want presence. I looked at my kids as I said that. I'm just kidding. But because it's meant to remind us of the incarnation of Christ, right? When the Lord Jesus broke into our world, taking on flesh. He broke in. And so this is what... Paul wanted to help the church in Crete, writing this to Titus. Titus, I'm writing this to you to help them to remember to demonstrate the truth. Remember, demonstrate the truth. Don't forget. It's so easy for us to forget. That's why he says, in this part of of, of Titus's, of Paul's letter to Titus in Titus chapter three, don't forget, remember, demonstrate the truth. Remember what Titus is about. Titus is about right living flows from right thinking. Orthopraxy flows from orthodoxy. Redemption leads to sanctification. God saves us so that He may change us who belong to Him. And for us to demonstrate His grace, to demonstrate the truth at work in our lives. We're redeemed from lawless deeds so that we be zealous for good deeds. And and here what Paul does is he, he wants to write this to titus and how should christians conduct themselves with the government and even more specifically with the unsaved and really for all people demonstrate the truth for them Uh, remembering what we were like before christ when we were like that god showed kindness god showed love god showed mercy Kind of a way to sum this up in one statement, uh, these first seven verses, is like this. God's kindness, love, and mercy toward us when we were God-haters should motivate us to do good deeds to the unsaved and really to all people. God's kindness to you, his love to you, his mercy towards you. When you were a God-hater... That should motivate us to do good deeds to the unsaved and really to all people. God graciously delivered us from the bondage of sin and made has made us into a new, transformed people. We're transformed. Indwelt by the Spirit. He's declared us righteous. He made us heirs of eternity with him, all according to his mercy. Don't forget. And and I get that, don't forget, remember, from the very first word of chapter 3, verse 1, remind. It's, It's a command. Remind them. Help them to not forget. Help them to remember. Remember, don't forget. Remind them, notice, to act like this toward rulers have authority, to act like what? To be subject to them, to be obedient to them. Which shows their attitude of submission to the government. Submit to the government. Obey the government, obviously. It doesn't mean we don't disagree with our government, of course. Or even express a disagreement, especially in our nation, of course, sure. But as I've learned in so many ways, graciously for my wife. It's not so much what we say, but how we say it. In humility, in grace. Remind them to have this attitude towards the government. And then he has the rest of verse one and verse two it's immediately connected to the government but then kind of what Paul does he doesn't confine it just to the government he actually moved out from how Christians should respond not just to the government but really to the unsaved and and really to all people he kind of moves out from that point because notice what he says the next part to be ready for every good work Be prepared and willing to do whatever good work that needs to be done because our behavior should commend the truth. And then he adds four additional aspects. Notice, verse two, to malign no one, or literally to speak ill or speak evil of no one. It's easy to say the worst about people, right? But he's saying restrain your mouth not to speak the worst about these unsaved people hurling curses and offenses. Don't be like that, he says. To malign no one. And notice it says in the New American Standard to be uncontentious. Literally, it's be peaceable. Not starting fights. To be gentle, showing grace, yielding. And then he has here... uh, showing every consideration for all men, literally demonstrating all meekness, demonstrating, oh, that kind of sounds familiar. Demonstrating all meekness, humility, forbearance for all people, as difficult as this can be with very difficult people. People can be difficult. I know that's hard to believe, especially when you see me. Like, How can he be so difficult? I'm difficult, ask my wife. <laughs> We're difficult people to get along with. Don't forget. Remember. And then, now he goes, to don't forget, remember, because, then he gives three reasons. First reason, remember who you were? Have you forgotten what you were like? Verse three, for we also once ourselves were. What, what motivates us to act this way with the government? What motivates us to, to act this way with all people? What he just listed out in verse one and two. What motivates us? The conduct that Paul requires of Christians is undergirded by the truth of who we were before Christ, before we came to saving faith in Jesus. we remember who we were, and then he'll bring up, we remember who God is, and then he'll bring up, we'll remember what he's done for us. But first remember. Remember when you were a jerk? Now, my disclaimer, I'm not saying all non-Christians are jerks. I mean, Mike Johnson's probably a jerk. He admitted that to me. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) Remember when you were unsaved? Remember how God is kind, loving, and merciful? Remember how he saved us when we were jerks? And yet because of God's transforming power, we can now act this way. You weren't pleasant. God's pleasant. God demonstrated mercy by saving and transforming you. Shouldn't this cause us to devote ourselves to doing what's good? Shouldn't we show mercy? Look at what he says. We once were like this. In your BC, before Christ, years, days, years, whatever, you demonstrated these seven features. Foolish. No spiritual understanding. You were dead to the truth. Disobedient to God, you had a disregard for authority. Deceived, you were led astray. For enslaved to manifold various desires and pleasures and cravings sex, drugs, rock and roll, alcohol, foul language, foul mouth. This is what you were like before Christ. Five, spending your life, he says, in malice and envy. So you're hating people being envious of what they had and wanting it for yourself. Six, hating others. Oh, you love them until they disagree with you. Seven, hating others, hating one another. That's what we were like, B.C., Before Christ, have you forgotten? Do you not remember? And there's all different degrees of that BC time. For some people, it's different when when you come to Christ when you're seven years old versus when you're in your 50s. Mike came to Christ when he was in his 50s. And there's varying degrees, but this is what we were like. This should motivate us. Remember when you were like this? Have you forgotten? <laughs> and remember who God is? Have you forgotten that? Look at, look at what he says. The contrast in and verse, verse four. But in contrast to our foolishness and your BC life, God breaks in remember who God was or is towards you but when the kindness and love for mankind of God our Savior kindness means his goodness his generosity and that word where it says here in the New American Standard love for mankind is actually one Greek word Love for men, love for mankind, love for humanity. So God's kindness, love, and mercy toward us when we were God-haters, that should motivate us to do good works to the unsaved and really to all people. The Old Testament, Paul is, is, is banking on the Old Testament here. It is replete with God's loving kindness, his chesed. His covenant love. Remember that? Have, have you forgotten that? And, and Paul does, he kind of puts these attributes together. He says, God's kindness and love to mankind. He like puts them all together. And notice, notice how this contrasts with your former conduct. Notice how this is a contrast with who you were like before, Christ. God, our Savior, broke in with his kindness, broke in with his generosity. God broke into your jerk world. And notice, he broke in. The last part of verse four, appeared. And that means the incarnation of Christ, which leads us to reason number three. Remember who you were, remember who God is, and remember What God has done for you? Have you forgotten? First, Jesus appeared. For the grace of God, chapter 2, verse 11, has appeared. This is the incarnation. Have you forgotten what God has done? How he's broken into our world? He actually took on human flesh? Have you forgotten? That appearing consisted of his work of salvation on the cross for a specific people, whereby God truly demonstrated his kindness and love. And that's why Paul will say, He saved us. Christ's death was an actual death to save sinners and the Spirit brought it to pass in time. So Christ's appearing was how he saved us, his coming and his mission. And then we actually experience that salvation in time when we repent and when we trust in Christ as Savior and Lord. Are you here and not a Christian? Have you not trusted Christ as your Savior and Lord? You can be given forgiveness. You can be given the kindness and mercy and love of God. repent and trust Christ, he'll save you. Come. He'll save you. He'll love you. That's what He's done for us. And notice He says, appeared, He saved us. He saved you. He demonstrated kindness, goodness, generosity. He demonstrated His love by sending the Eternal Son to give His life to ransom sinners, to redeem sinners, to redeem you. This is personal. (laughs) God had a personal agenda interesting how verse 5 it actually in the Greek it doesn't start with he saved us it actually starts with the negative not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness see God saved us not based on your works you did not contribute in any way to your salvation. This is why God does not look down the quarters of time and and, and see our faith and then based on that chooses us. No, we had nothing to do with it at all. Not deeds done in righteousness, not your present good works, not your before Christ efforts of good works, no, none of that. friends when it comes to the unsaved listen don't wait for these people to show good works before you show them goodness and kindness don't wait they act this way because they haven't been changed like you you've been changed God's transformed you What? Why do we act like them then? If you are surprised about all the things happening in our world or the things happening in our country, then you have forgotten. This is how the unsaved, the no loving Christ people act. Why do you think it shouldn't be this way? Because you've forgotten who you once were. And you've forgotten mercy. Notice, to emphasize it even more, not, not, not on basis of deeds which we've done in righteousness, but according to His mercy. It's all based on God's mercy. It's, it's not based on your good works. It's not based on your foreseen faith. It's not based on anything about you. It's not about you. It's not about me. It never was about you. It never was about me. It's all about God and his mercy to putrid, rotten, nasty, foolish people like you and like me. Well, you think you deserve grace? Then it's not grace. Grace you think they deserve grace they don't and neither did you this eliminates any kind of thought that we had anything to do with our salvation it's all according to his mercy God demonstrated his sovereign grace to you this is why it's good to remember Christmas not because this was the time Jesus was born. He wasn't born in December. Are you crazy? Those shepherds would be freezing. <laughs> shepherds are there watching their flocks by night, freezing, drinking two pitchers of coffee. Oh, no, they're not going to do that. But it's about the amazing truth that God took on flesh, the God man, to give his life. It's his mercy. You did nothing to claim his kindness, goodness, or love. He had pity on your miserable condition, saving you and changing you. He delivered us from who we were. Verse three, remember that? We went from slavery to freedom. And, and so he saved us, he says. And what's the means of the saving? He saved us, not of these are righteousness we've done, but according to his mercy, the means by the washing, he says. By the washing, spiritual cleansing or removal of sin which takes place by the act of the rebirth or regeneration by means of the Holy Spirit. God does an inner cleansing work and an inner transforming work. We are different now. By the washing of regeneration, the rebirth, new beginning. Uh, Dr. MacArthur in Biblical Doctrine, he says this, this is the quote, divine impartation of eternal spiritual life into the spiritually dead sinner. So the human will is not violated, it's transformed. It's changed, so it's ultimately irresistible. Irresistible. You remember when you were walking around, you couldn't see anything, you went to the eye doctor, he says you needed glasses, and you put glasses on, you're like, holy cow, I can actually see everything. You remember that? That's what it's like. You're walking around blind. You're walking, you can't, you have no idea what's going on. You think you do, but you don't. And you put those glasses on, those Christian gospel glasses on, and then you see for the first time, whoa this all makes sense again Dr. MacArthur it is the sovereign act of God regeneration by the Holy Spirit and through the preached gospel whereby he instantaneously imparts spiritual life to a sinner bringing him out of spiritual death and into spiritual life and then the fruits of regeneration repentance and faith you're trusting Christ Notice he says, again the means, by the washing of regeneration and renewal by means of the Holy Spirit. You're made new. These acts of washing, regenerating, and renewal are done by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who initiated that work in us that we would respond to God's mercy and love in faith. And notice what he says about the Spirit. Look at verse 6 whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. God lavishly gave us each Christian the Holy Spirit. This whole teaching that it is demonstrated the Spirit by speaking of tongues is totally preposterous and ridiculous. It's not in the Bible. The Spirit was given to every Christian and a changed life demonstrates that gift from the Father through Jesus. That's what demonstrates a spirit. It was a spirit who, who was lavished upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who accomplished the work of transforming our lives, changing us. So the Father lavished us with the spirit through the agency of the Lord Jesus. It was the spirit who accomplished that work of transforming our lives. Notice how each member of the Trinity was at work. The Father the Son, the Spirit, in our salvation. So we were saved. We were washed. We were regenerated. We were renewed. We're no longer what we once were, BC, before Christ. Have we forgotten? Friends, Of course non-Christians will act this way. You did. So did I. Why are you surprised? Notice the purpose. He saved us. In order that, verse 7... In order that the purpose, that being justified by His grace, first, notice the purpose of God's work of salvation, He saved us, was to give us a gracious position, a gracious status, and a gracious inheritance. Justified by His grace. What's our gracious position? We're declared righteous. You're justified in God's sight. All done by His grace. You're acquitted, you're forgiven you're seen as righteous. Your position is righteous. You are viewed as righteous. When we place our trust in the Lord Jesus, we are justified, declared righteous, being credited with the very righteousness of God and forgiven of all our sins. That's our standing before God. That's our position before God. And notice he says, in order that being justified by his grace... we may may be made heirs. By his grace, we're heirs. There's our status. We're, We're no longer slaves. We're no longer enslaved or an enemy of God. We're one of his children. And if you're an heir, you're also gonna inherit something. You're gonna inherit the universe. So here's the gracious position God has given to you, the gracious status God has given to you, the gracious inheritance that God has given to you all his grace. Notice he ends this part in verse 7 according to hope of eternal life. We, he's brought this up before. This hope is not a wish but a factual confident expectation God will keep his promise to bring us to himself and be given the promised inheritance as his heirs. This is what God's gonna do. One writer says this, quote, God enters into history with his gracious attitude to act for us, transforming us now and making us heirs for an eternity with him. This is amazing. This is dumbfounding. Dumbfounding, amazing grace. So here's the reasons that he saved us. So that's why Paul says, notice verse eight, he says this is a trustworthy statement, literally, faithful is the word. What word? It's this doctrinal statement from verse four to verse seven. It's like a truth that had become a doctrinal statement among the churches. He used this in First Timothy. When we went through First Timothy, you remember, faithful is the word. So it served as a way to familiar, uh, to be a familiar way to uh, identify truth to people, to the believers, to the Christian church. It's a fixed point of true doctrine. So if this is true, I mean, think about it. If this is true, and it is, should we not continue to be vastly different from our world? Should we not demonstrate the truth by the way we live? Should we not be merciful and gracious? Don't forget. Have you forgotten Remember, remind yourself allow yourself to be reminded of this come this time for Christmas and thinking about the incarnation remind yourself of this remember what God has done remember who God is remember who you were again God's kindness love and mercy toward us when we were God-haters, should motivate us to do good deeds to the unsaved and really to everybody. Would you pray with me? Our Father, it's easy for us to forget. We do We get so busy with life and with uh, just doing our thing. And yeah, thank you that when we forget, you still show your grace and mercy toward us, don't you? And you gently remind us by giving us mercy and grace when we don't remember your mercy and grace. We thank you for that. So help us by your Spirit to remember how gracious and how kind and how generous, how good you've been to us in and through your Son. And Spirit, keep transforming us to be a people who truly demonstrate you to each other and to this world, that we're different now. According to your mercy, you saved us. We're a changed people. Work that truth out in us because we love you and because we desire you and delight ourselves in you. As we do each week, I encourage you, this time, to take this next minute or so. Allow your mind to be filled with gospel truth. Remind yourself. <laughs> Remind yourself of the promises. Remind yourself of grace. Remind yourself of mercy. And you know, we will sing. We'll do our two songs and pray. But let this be a just a sweet time between you and the Lord to let your mind be filled with the truth of his promises. Would you please do that now?